It is time for This Week in Location-Based Marketing, episode number 80, June 3rd, 2012. On the show today, Wi-Fi blocking wallpaper. Verizon makes a $612 million bet on Hughes Telematics. Groupon gets into the food ordering business, and we love our Guinness even more with the QR codes. Plus, our special guest, Mark Hempel of Screenscape Networks, and our resource of the week, all this, and so, so, so very much more coming up right now. Welcome, everybody, to This Week in Location-Based Marketing. My name is Rob Woodbridge. With me, as always, Asif Khan from the Location-Based Marketing Association. Well, it's been a while since we introduced ourselves, so I thought we'd take a different approach today. Big show, big show. Yeah, Welcome back, Asif. We're 80. We are 80 years old. <laughs> yeah. Some days I feel today's, like, anyways, today's one of those uh, days that I do feel 80. I feel like I'm like a little crotchy today. Uh, I got some, uh, got some criticism from, uh, from one of my other shows, and, it, uh, and it, it has stayed with me. I'm not sure why. But uh, so I'm... I, it's all right. It'll just roll off by... Somewhere down this road, they'll be happy. It, yes, it will. It'll it'll uh, come out in this show. There's a little bit of venom in this show, but we've got a big one for uh, you today. For you guys who are listening or watching, uh, lots of lots going on, obviously. But we're going to start with a uh, with two very important events that we would like to draw your attention to. The first is obviously um, the uh, an event that you are holding. The Location Based Marketing Association is holding June 20th. What a week that week is going to be! Uh, talk about that as we pull it up here on the screen, Asif. Yeah, so we're, um, we're we're hosting an event in, in Toronto uh, called Check In Content, and and really it's uh, it's kind of an exploration of the non check in check in, so to speak. The idea that uh, location is wherever people are uh, in front of whatever medium that they're uh, that can influence them television, radio, billboard, etc. And um, so so we're going to explore that. We're going to have a really interesting panel with uh, the CBC and MediaCom and CBS Outdoor and. Yeah, I think, I think it's going to be a great discussion around uh, content check-ins and uh, you know, how to engage people in, in a whole different way. So if you can make it June 20th uh, in Toronto, uh, all the information's uh, on the LBMA site. What's that, from uh, 3 till 7 on June 20th? And yeah, that's over that's where? Right. Where is that located? That's at the uh, KPMG in, in Toronto. Wow. Yeah. I think that's great. Uh, you know, and, and then not, not close to six days later. Six days later, you're going to be on the stage at the Glenn Gould Studio in Toronto on Front Street next to the CBC offices talking about this great thing. I love it. I'm going to pull it up here. This is for Tether Talks, obviously, but Asif is there, and he is, he's is he got this great panel while well, he's doing a keynote called The Death of Geo. Dun, dun, dun. The Death of Geo. And then he's going to sit down and uh, be a part of a panel on that very topic around what is going on with Geo and the basically the future of marketing is what we're talking about on this panel. Can't wait yes. for that. Asif, I mean, I'm very excited to hear about this. Got a lot of response from people who are saying the death of Geo. The death of Geo. Controversial, man. <laughs> well, you gotta you gotta throw these titles out there, right? Get people uh, you know, thinking about, you know, what's this gonna be all about? So anyways. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing about it. That is uh that's June twenty sixth <clears throat> and twenty seventh in Toronto at the Glenn Gould studio. Uh reach out at Untether Talks. Dot com. You can register there. And uh, if you are a LBMA member, there is a discount code, which uh, I think is LBMA member, isn't it? Uh, 25% off the ticket. Yes. So yes. just go to untethertalks.com. 
and type that in and you'll get a 25% discount off the ticket. How, how much easier Pretty easy. All you have to do then is show yeah. up. Got a great, great, great lineup, but you'll be able to see that on untethertalks.com. What do you say? This was a big week. Uh, again, lots of acquisitions, lots of talk. Um, certainly consolidation is happening at a rapid rate and there are companies out there, guys, companies like, like Facebook and companies like Groupon that are just, just snapping up small companies. It is a great time to be an entrepreneur who, uh, with a limited lifespan. If you're in this business for a year or two years, that's, that's how long it takes for you to be uh, snapped up typically in this kind of climate. Um, but we've got a lot of that. Why don't we Why don't we start the show? We got our five stories. We're going to start the show with this great story. Uh, it's a couple of weeks old, but uh, we vowed to bring this on because we love the creativity around what Guinness has done. So our first story is about the Guinness QR code magic appearing code. Is that a good way to introduce? Yeah. It? No, I absolutely love this. Uh, I'm going to throw up the uh, the, the the photo. I'm going to do that right now. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is amazing creativity. It was it was done by BBDO in New York, uh, which is their uh, their agency, and and basically, you know, QR codes are QR codes, and we see them, you know, all over print and and packaging uh, these days. But to have a QR code basically etched into a, a a glass, a Guinness glass, where the QR code only appears when the glass is full of Guinness, uh, you know, that that's pretty cool. Um, and the interesting thing is, is it doesn't work with any other beer. Apparently, you can't just pour, you know, a uh, Rickard's Red or uh, you know uh, any other beer into that. It's got to be Guinness um, in order to get the right black to make that QR code fill out, um, you know, in, in the glass. And, and it's cool because it's, um, you know, so once it comes in there and then you scan this QR code uh, with with your scanner, you can get coupons. You can get, you know. Uh, access to certain uh, promotions and merchandise it automatically will uh, tweet and update your Facebook and check into Foursquare I mean it's doing it all just from scanning this glass it's it's, it's I cool. uh, I <laughs> this was when you showed it to me the first time I thought oh my god this is this is the best thing I've ever seen and then my mouth started to water like it is right now I don't know about you if you're watching this right now it's like oh <laughs> Guinness yeah so if the Guinness guys are listening or the BBDO guys in New York please send Rob and yes. I one of these glasses because we we will we will do it and we will have it on the show and and we'll yeah yes. we'll, we'll show it and we will okay. drink it right on the show drink it on the show I I gotta I gotta tell you though that this is something that uh, yeah this is great creativity it's it's a fluff piece but this this goes to show you that you can have fun with this technology it doesn't always have to be boring and uh, I love the creativity yeah. on this <laughs> that's all we got right yeah well I would say like you know it, it's it's you know and I've said this many many times but you know. For the last ten years, we've talked about content is king. Content is king, but it's shifting now, right? I mean, the content's important, but it's shifting to experience now. It's all about experiential marketing, and how do we how do we bring the message to the people, and 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 how is it packaged and and you know and delivered to them? And this is this is all about packaging and delivery, right? Um, you know, the content's still there. You guys still got to scan the thing and get some content in some form, but it's it's all how it's how it's uh, how it's delivered to the consumer. So. Do you remember uh, back in the day they used to have those pens that uh, they would like the swivel knotty yeah. pens where you turn it upside down and, and the women's clothes would, yeah. would come off, right? That's what this reminds me of is that the QR code appears and uh, when you pour the when you pour the alcohol in it and it used to be where you could actually swivel the stick and uh, and the clothes would disappear. So maybe that's just maybe I'm just old like that. That was back before they had <laughs> back before they had porn porn on the internet, right? That's that's what we used to do back in those days. Yeah. Anyway. 
<laughs> so, yes. Way to go, Guinness. Two thumbs up. Nice. Nice work. <laughs> And now that I'm seven shades of red deep, let's go into the second story here, um, which is, which is a, uh, you know, talk about old school, right? Let's throw away all our old technology, our new technology. We don't need smartphones. We don't need any apps. We don't need any other stuff in order to be able to manage our fleet or manage, uh, you know, our, uh, our, our workforce that's on the go. This is a company called Abacus partnering with yep. a company called what? T-Mobile to manage... Yeah, yeah, to manage fleet, yeah. fleet management. Let's talk about these guys. Yeah, so this is T-Mobile's uh, business solutions group, so the commercial side of T-Mobile. Um, and, you know, if you're a business and you've got, you know, workforce management uh, needs and uh, fleet management needs, this is uh, kind of an interesting service. So it's called My Geo Tracking uh, from uh, Abacus. So T-Mobile's uh, business uh, sales group is going to be uh, reselling this to uh, various businesses, and effectively, what they're doing is is they're um, they're basically uh, enabling you to track uh, assets, track people, um, you know, streamline uh, workforce management, streamline you know timesheets, and know where your people are, and all this kind of stuff, uh, all without an app, all without GPS. Um, it works on any phone, feature phone, smartphone, doesn't matter. Uh, cell cell ID and SMS, uh, you know, triangulation all kind of weave together. So it's kind of a cool little uh, package. Something that I like, uh, just simply because uh, you know it, sh it shows that th th there is an infrastructure and technology that exists right now that allows you to do this without with massive, massive, massive change in the technology that you're currently using. Right. So smartphones. They're great, but if you don't have them, you don't have to change this over. This is, as you said, this uses uh, cell ID, cell tower, triangulation. You can do a whole bunch of great stuff. Send SMS when you reach a, a geofence based on a, on cellular triangulation. This is how they, they caught Pablo Escobar. This can help, you know, you can use this to, to track your, uh, you know, your, your uh, mobile workforce, right? If, if it yeah. can get Pablo, you can find Bill in your delivery truck and send him an SMS message. And that, that's why Absolutely. I like it. Is it's low tech. It's not low tech, but it's it's not fancy tech. It's existing technology that you probably have in your system right yeah. now. So it just goes to show you that you can implement mobile technology like this and location services like this to help enable your business with the technology that you've got. Doesn't require you to throw things out. Yeah, from perspective, this is this is a simple, uh, you know, probably uh, easy e easy, you know, sort of layer of of a revenue stream that they could just you know quickly add on to what they're already selling, you know, the sales, the, the commercial sales team can just go and you know, add this to the uh, tick box, you know, would you like one of these as well, um, you know, for, uh, for uh, you know, tracking, uh, you know, your, your workforce, it makes sense. Well, good so, on them. Cool. T-Mobile. Well, and you, you'll see that because we have a, a, one of the funding stories, one of the acquisition stories we're going to be talking about is, is along the same lines with Hughes Telematics and, uh, and obviously in Verizon. This is a big play. This is, this is big business all of a sudden. Our third story, here we go. Telmap opening up some APIs. Telmap. I, I, I like the story. Yes. It's simple. Well, I mean, that's the theme for today. Well, it's simple, right? I mean, it's uh, I am on the you show. Know, old school and, and, uh, and low tech. But, uh, you know, we, we, are, we are 80. Right? <laughs> so you're so, going to keep know, it. Things have to slow down once you hit 80. We can't, we can't always be uh, flash all the time. But anyways, um, yeah. So, so they've released uh, two new APIs, and this is about creating linkages between websites and mobile apps uh, and uh, navigation. 
and so we're we're basically connecting uh, connecting all this stuff together, which is kind of interesting because we don't always think about websites, um, you know, and uh, and navigating or you know um, you know those those two things fitting together. We talked, I think, a couple shows ago now. We talked about sort of Bing updating their uh, their maps. Um, and, and so it's somewhat along the same lines, except here now we're talking about APIs that create uh, linkages between what's happening on the website and to mobile companion piece. And so they've, are, they've already done this with a couple of sites, uh, so rest.co.il and toeat.co.il. So these are two big sites uh, in Israel, uh, restaurant guides and travel guide sites. Um, and so the idea here is, is that... Uh, you know, you uh, you're on a website um, and you, you click on you know on a on a restaurant listing, and then you basically click a button beside it says send to send to my GPS it's called, um, and, and this is sort of embedded right on web pages, and then uh, you enter your mobile number and it sends it sends it from the site to your mobile phone. Simple, functional, works. That's what I like about it. And, uh, and you know, it's very simple is that uh, I use Navigon and this is along the same lines is that when, when I do a search in Google and uh, I click on the address, it, it sends, I can send it right to uh, my, uh, my Navigon. It'll open up, it'll launch that. And I, li and I like these services, but you're right. Bridging the web space, because oftentimes I'll do my research on something like uh, say on a Google map or on an app and allowing me to send that to my device uh, is a lot easier if you've ever used these services like like telnav um and, or navigon if you've ever tried to use these services to type in an address while you're you're driving when you're not supposed to be doing that it's just it's a pain painful so yeah it's painful and I, you know and, and i'm like you i mean i often will uh before i head out somewhere i'll be on google maps and i'll be looking it up and all that and then you know then what do you want to do like you either print it out or, or you're like you know gonna send yourself an email or something Right and pulling it up on an email. Well, I mean that. I mean that's what you do, right? You know, as opposed to this, where you just click a button and it sends it to your phone and it's all there. Yeah, it, it sounds very basic, but hey, nobody's doing it very well right now. So this is big news, and I think that once all of this is integrated into everybody else's stuff, I think that this is going to be. This is just another thing that you should be doing. But you should be doing this if you're a business. If you if you are a location business, a destination business, you should be doing this where it's integrating, sending to SMS, sending to text. Um, or sending by email, you, you, you know, as an aside, uh, you know, we, we spent some, I spent a lot of time running software companies. And one of the big things about software companies is getting people to download your software. So now you see it everywhere where people are, are, uh, you know, click to download or click to launch iTunes. Yep. But what if you're browsing this through a device that doesn't allow you to do that? Um, there should be a way that says click to email me the link so I don't forget so that I can download when I hit the desktop. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing here. Click to remind, click, click click to send me the address so that i have it in my inbox that it's easy to integrate you don't just want to keep them getting your address at that moment you if you want them to if you want a consumer like me to you know build you your business into my life get me get you into my address book and this is a good way of doing that if you ask me so i like i like these simple things because it can lead to so many so many great things all right excellent story number 4 these are the Yellow Pages group. Yellow Pages uh, launching a French version of their uh, discount hunting software mobile app called Shopwise. Why is this so significant? Well, I mean, I think, you know, first of all, if you're in the Canadian market, um, 
you know, French is, is, is an important thing. It's an official uh, uh, language, so, you know, we, we should support it. Um, yeah, I like it because for, for a couple reasons. One is is that it's not just about the French version. It's, uh, it's available on uh, iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry, so that's, that's good. Um, but they've, you know, along with this uh, sort of addition of, of the second language piece, um, they uh, they've added some some new capabilities into the uh, into the app as well. So, um, you know, I'm I think we're on the same page. We're, we're neither of us are huge fans of, of uh, you know, sort of uh, find just finding deals around me from a location perspective. Um, you know, but, but the idea of you know, tracking stores that, that I like. Uh, being notified, push notifications uh, around you know particular products or particular stores that I'm interested in, um, you know, so the, the you know the favorites kind of thing, um, you know, so they've added all that capability in the, into the app now, so so I think that's good, um, you know, and, and just you know quick little uh, you know sort of side plug on this one, so uh, LVMA is also hosting an event uh, on Thursday, this this coming Thursday in Montreal. YPG is uh, is going to be a big part of that as, as well, so I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more about Shopwise there. Uh, but uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I, I echo that uh, very much. Uh, first of all, I love the fact that they're supporting the uh, Location-Based Marketing Association. I think YPG needs to do that because uh, obviously of their database and who they are. Um, and the transition that's going on in the directory business is quite substantial and they have to be in the middle of this. So, you know, I love the fact that they've got this Shopwise app. I've downloaded it and I guess it depends on your location. Uh, because, uh, you know, it, there wasn't a lot available when I downloaded it. And I think that that's the, that's what they have to get over here is that they have to bring more, more, uh, more retailers in. I'm also, we talked about this and you mentioned it. I'm not a big fan of the, uh, serendipity by location. Hey, I'm here. What's around me? What kind of deals can I get? Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't think that that's the best way to do this. I like the fact that you can put, you know, stores into your favorites. But, uh, you know, the fact that I'm sitting at Starbucks and I just happened to uh, launch the application doesn't mean that I'm interested in, in, uh, in getting my tires rotated or, or uh, you know, getting a lube job or a nail, my nails done. So I think that uh, that's the biggest challenge I have here. It, it, they're, they're putting a lot of emphasis on location-aware coupons, and I think that uh, they have to move away from that as a primary focus. But, you know... Um, multiple languages, multiple platforms. You can't go wrong with that. You need lots more stores, and you have to kind of move away from move away from location and add context to it. And I think that they're trying to do that here, but uh, I think the jury's out. Yep. But I like the fact that they're supporting you, so I'll give this a benefit of the doubt. Oh, that's great. So yeah, if you're in Montreal on Thursday, come on out. Sold out event, but uh, come on out anyways. Talk at the door. Talk to me nicely at the door, and we'll, we'll right. see what we can do. Anyways, I love it. yeah, come on out and just hang out out front. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll set up a, a screen for the uh, for people on the street. There you go. <laughs> All right, our fifth and final story of the day. This requires a video because you are not going to believe it. What will they think of next? wallpaper that blocks Wi-Fi. I'm going to roll this and then we're going to come back and have a good discussion on exactly how this differs from a good old-fashioned password. So here is Wi-Fi enabled, I mean Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi disabling wallpaper. Here we go. So you thought your wallpaper was just good for looking pretty? Researchers may have found another clever use. 
Scientists in France have invented a special kind of wallpaper that blocks certain electromagnetic waves. The wallpaper blocks Wi-Fi signals using a conductive ink that contains particles of silver. The wallpaper only blocks some signals though and would allow AM-FM radio signals and emergency transmissions through. And it does not interrupt cell phone reception signals. The Grenoble Institute of Technology has released a prototype, hoping to make the wallpaper commercially available soon at an affordable price, comparable to mid-price home decor wallpaper currently on the market. British scientists came up with a similar product, but it was too costly for most, with a price tag of 500 pounds per square foot. If you are worried about your neighbor or stranger accessing your Wi-Fi connection, this might be a good reason to invest in some high-tech wallpaper. Corporate snooping is also a concern, as companies developing mapping technologies or database for marketing purposes can get your personal information through your Wi-Fi connection. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know where to begin with this. Um, invented in France, they, some uh, British scientists found the exact same thing, and uh, they found out that they couldn't produce it for anything less than 500 pounds a square foot. These guys are trying to bring it into the mid-tier, mid-upper tier, tier of the designer wallpaper uh, layer. Uh, I'm focusing on the wrong thing here, but I'm not really sure I understand why I would want to wallpaper my house with Wi-Fi protected um, wallpaper. <laughs> I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. Um, so, so, so here's my take on this. I, I mean, I think the technology is really interesting. Um, first of all, I, I think the application here is commercial, not uh, right. residential, if anything. I mean, if you think about the challenges, for example, with a, um, you know, that Best Buy has been having with showrooming, uh, and we think about some of these kinds of things. If you think about commercial retail um, scenarios where we're blocking, um, you know, signals from coming in or going out, and uh, and you and you only have what's in the store all of a sudden. Now, now you, you can't show room. There's no Amazon happening in, in, inside of Best Buy necessarily. Um, so, so I think there's some interesting implications for this uh, at, at that level. Um, and it's not just Wi-Fi, by the way. So this this is uh, it blocks cellular and Wi-Fi, um, and it lets through um, uh, radio waves and uh, emergency transmissions. So it's uh, you know it's smart paper um, from that perspective. So so I mean that's my take on it. I, I think there's there is a play here for retail um, in some senses. Uh, you know, movie theaters maybe um, things like that. Um, in, yeah, could be interesting. Yeah, you know, I've often sat across the street from a Starbucks in a competitor's um, coffee shop and uh, and sucked off the uh, the Starbucks Wi-Fi. So maybe there is an opportunity there for reduced costs by by actually encasing, really encasing uh, the the Wi-Fi from from commercial locations. And I think maybe from a security standpoint, it makes sense if you're in a highly industrialized um, or a highly secure facility. Um, why not block any kind of uh, Wi-Fi capabilities coming outside of it because of what you can sniff? And uh, maybe, maybe that is something that you could do. Um, it, it, it's, it's a great, it's an interesting technology that you can filter this kind of stuff through wallpaper, right? That's, that's ultimately what, what it comes down to. It's, uh, it, yeah. it's paper, but it's, yeah. It's paper. <laughs> wallpaper that blocks Wi-Fi. Yeah. So, so I think at a commercial layer, you know, the price point might not be so no. No, and I'm not worried about my neighbor uh, sniffing off, uh, sniffing off my Wi-Fi. Uh, you know, I just I do. I put a password on it, and uh, it kind of eliminates that. Um, 
Well, and, and it's not like, you know, like the, you're not looking at porn on, on the internet, Rob. Like you've got the pen. Exactly. That's right. So, <laughs> that can't be transmitted. Exactly. The so there you go. I still have a subscription yeah. to Playboy. Can you believe that? It's not yeah. even a digital one. I, I think the, the big thing here is also that my neighbors are 88 and uh, and older. We live in a in a slightly aged area, so they're not they're not using Wi-Fi. Uh, in fact, Rogers here, which is our provider, is the fastest because nobody in my neighborhood is on the internet uh, because they just they don't know what it is. So wallpaper that blocks Wi-Fi. Uh, I love science, and this is why this is a neat story. It is cool. It's Where's the five cool. we got? Guinness. My favorite right. day was the Guinness QR code. By the way. It has to yeah, be. Yeah, I love it. It has to be. Yeah. Guinness, please send us those glasses. We really want to try this out. Or just send us some beer. Tetra packs of beer. That's what they've got to be able to do. Come on. Tetra. <laughs> All right. So, listen, it's on to our um, our conversation of the week that you sat down with uh, Mark Hemphill. Why don't you talk about uh, Mark and, and his company? Yeah, Mark's a guy I've known for a few years now, one of uh, Screenscape, uh, one of the uh, first members of the LBMA, actually, going uh, way back to, to when we started. And um, great company. I mean, this is a company that's in the sort of uh, location-based, digital out-of-home, digital signage uh, business that have com completely reinvented the sort of the, the paradigms around that uh, from, a, from a business model perspective. So this is all about community-powered digital signage. So this is, you know, the local business, the local merchant throwing up a screen and uh, putting ads on it and, uh, and, and promotional pieces on it and then, um, you know, uh, drawing pieces or advertising content in from other uh, community businesses around them and vice versa. So, you know, the, the local gym down the street uh, can run ads for the gas station and the gas station can run ads for the local gym and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's really, really kind of an interesting uh, network model um, that they've come up with. And uh, yeah, so great interview. And you got to sit down, you got to sit down with Mark and uh, here it is. Well, we're uh, privileged yet again to be sitting down today with founder, chairman, and chief operating officer of Screenscape Networks, Mark Hemphill. Mark, welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing. How are you? Fantastic, Asif. It's, uh, it's always great to chat with you. And, uh, you know, as, as we like to do with this, uh, this segment on the show, why don't you tell our audience uh, a little bit about, you know, who is Screenscape Networks? What do you guys do? What are you all about? Um, you know, just give us some insight. Absolutely. So we're a software company. You know, see ourselves as a real uh, technology leader. And as you know, we're, uh, we build ourselves as an online service for engaging with audiences in real-world places. What that means is that uh, we're very interested in helping businesses take advantage of place-based marketing. We take a, a fairly uh, integrated approach, which I think would resonate a lot with uh, your, your viewers in that sense. It's, it's not just about digital displays, it's not just about the mobile device, uh, it's not just about things like loyalty programs and customer service. It's about all those things and uh, while we absolutely cater to those people wanting to put up digital displays on location in their place of business, um, digital signage is, is one of you know the, the common applications of our technology but we're, we're really sort of uh, a software company that's more or less taken aim at, at a, an industry that that was, uh, you know, in our, our view, stuck in the '80s, sort of approaching um, 
the problem of, of place-based media through a broadcasting lens and being internet software people, we, we sort of looked at, at, at this industry as, as one that could be streamlined and improved upon and certainly uh, the arrival of the internet, social media, location-based marketing, um, all these things coming uh, together uh, gives us all kinds of opportunities to do interesting things, particularly uh, where it matters most, which is right inside a store where people are making buying decisions. Great. And so, you know, maybe just to pick up on, on something you, you just said, you know, about sort of the inefficiencies and in, in sort of streamlining, um, you know, the opportunity or, or, you know, some of the new technologies that have emerged. I mean, was there a particular gap or, or inefficiency that you saw in the market that you thought, you know, this needs to be addressed right now and, and thus, you know, was born Screenscape or, you know, is it, is it just really an evolution of, of technologies that you saw emerging or, you know, so, so was there a whole or was there, you know, more of an evolutionary thing? Uh, there was a, a mismatch, if you will, which is what I, I, I have seen in the world of software and when, what I, um, you know, witness in the advent of digital signage and where it was, uh, you know, two or three years ago when we got started. You know, it starts with the, the customer and the ability to engage with customers with engaging and relevant content. Um, you know, broadcasting is so antithetical to being able to execute content that's custom tailored and sort of relevant and intelligent for, for audiences wherever, you know, they might be. You can't really do that with broadcasting technology. But with the internet, of course, you can really cater to local tastes and preferences. You can actually execute content um, in, in a lot of different ways that distributes the cost and effort of doing so. So in a nutshell, we're, we're making place-based media, speaking effectively to customers while they're visiting your place of business using technology. We're making that simple and cost-effective, and by doing that, we're opening up new kinds of channels, if you will, to the customer, new kinds of ways for an entire value chain to participate in a new marketing process. Excellent. Can you give us sort of a, you know, a real example, potentially, you know, how you've, uh, how you've done this for a particular client, um, you know, that, that you can share with us? Yeah, well, let me start with some news which uh, broke this week, which was Canadian Blood Service uh, in Canada. You, you may know them as a former Red Cross. Uh, nationwide company we're talking about uh, a not-for-profit but we're also talking about a, a, a company that's a real service delivery company uh, you know the consummate uh, uh, service delivery company when it comes to having blood collection centers and uh, appealing to the community when they need blood and you know that's those kinds of appeals are very much a, a local thing um, you need a certain type of blood in the East Coast here you know you are going to look for obviously people in the East Coast and they just bought a group license from us which allows us to distribute video and do things like uh, appeal to the public for donations to save lives by giving blood and not just in the in the permanent blood collection centers which is the obvious those are their offices but also through this community places in our community Places like shopping malls and community centers and art centers, gyms, and so on and so forth. So they're keen to sort of sort of get control of their own promotions using this technology, and also tap into the power of a network to 
distribute the cost and effort of getting that message out, number one, and number two, executing it in a way that's smart. So we're, we're really pleased that the help out there demonstrates what we can do. Of course, it's a not-for-profit example. The mainstream examples seem to all come from retail or retail marketing-minded people who either want to speak to customers at the point of sale or understand that there are key touch points in the process, the, sure. the path to purchase process, if, if you will. And so, you know, what's another re recent example would be Procter & Gamble using our technology to take promotional videos, videos they already have that they share through YouTube, and, sh and share them with the professional salon community, which is an obvious uh, target core audience of theirs, and so they can actually promote their new product lines, their new hair products, their new hair color, whatever it might be, with the subject matter experts, you know, uh, riding shotgun in the salon and, and speaking intelligently right. to uh, whatever new product that Procter & Gale might want to, not just offer those professionals, but the, the people visiting those salons. So, you know, and, and they're doing these things in, in concert with their loyalty programs, with their trade marketing initiatives. And so that's where you really see the applied integrated, um, you know, impact of these as a business-to-business -business service and as a as a customer uh, engagement right. tool. Excellent. Um, all right. Well, I mean, last last question for you. I won't keep you too long. The um, I mean, you've been a member of the LBMA for a while now. I mean, you you know our views on location-based marketing being not just about mobile, but really about you know integrating media around engaging people wherever they are. Obviously, you guys are a place-based media network. Um, you know, where do you see see the market going? I mean, if we were to, if you were to get out your crystal ball and look kind of you know three to five years out, you know, not not so far in the future, but reasonable, um, you know, around place-based media as an industry and, 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 you know, what can we expect from Screenscape? Well, it's, it's actually uh, never been a more exciting time for the convergence of this new technology, internet working, social media, location-based marketing, and the place of business. Um, I'll, I'll use an analogy. You could picture um, business environments in the 1990s with, with the dawning of the internet and how the internet presented interesting new options for sharing of information both inside the, the corporate you know um, network and outside it, it, you know in terms of the world wide web and all kinds of new internet technologies you know you, you have in the case of place based media you have companies that are using internet technology now on a private basis and you have companies especially those powered by Screenscape that are engaging with others uh, through you know uh, a meshing of networks, and it is very uh, akin to those days when corporate networks all of a sudden went from that private sort of Lotus Net Notes proprietary network to the the intranet, which, based on industry standards, allowed you to leverage new technology that made it easier for you to manage your own private information more effectively and publish information for the for public consumption. And you know the, the way that the internet has streamlined corporate communications and uh, information sharing between employees and, and the management team and, and, and their customers, of course, is similar in the way uh, the, the dawning of, of this new uh, era of digital signage is starting to embrace the world of, of open standards. And um, we're seeing the finally, you know, moving from this broadcasting paradigm of closed proprietary networks to an actual internet model where it's a truly network-centric 
mm -hmm. uh, platform and everybody can sort of benefit from a new network economics as the, as the network scales. So I, I see it becoming easier and more cost effective through, through those efficiencies, the efficiencies of this sort of uh, true network centric approach. Obviously we're, we're key proponents of that. Um, Screenscape has taken first aim at the distribution and deployment challenges that you know a networking model could solve, making it easier for single venues, what we call single venues, small businesses to get started, making it easy for the bigger uh, networks to tap into those organic networks that are forming every day on our platform. I think the next chapter for us is um, to carry that forward and, and introduce that to new customers. But, Secondly, to look at the production process, the actual process of creating content and do more there. Uh, we have some very interesting things coming out this summer that really assist in the creation of content, solving a lot of content management problems. And we do that both through sharing, you know, many hands make light work, so tapping into a crowdsourcing model for the sharing of, of rich and dynamic content, but also through um, helping our group customers to sort of streamline and uniformly brand their networks uh, through you know just creative sort of content creation and templates fill in the blanks processes that are just so easy to execute a, a brand at a high high level across a, a very distributed very fragmented sales and marketing channel great well it sounds like uh, exciting times are ahead and you know certainly uh, you know moving to more of a sort of internet network uh, community model I think makes sense in this space so really appreciate your time again for our audience we've been uh, chatting today with mark hemphill he's the co-founder chairman and coo of screenscape networks marks thank you so much for uh, joining us today and uh, uh, always a pleasure i see my pleasure thanks for everything you do and let, let's do this again cheers bye so that was mark and uh, mark thanks for uh, for taking the time to uh, to sit with me uh, this week and and, and share with uh, our audience a little bit about the business um, you know, again, there's a lot there, and I think uh, I encourage our our listeners and viewers to kind of go check out Screenscape Networks. Um, so thanks, Mark. And you can obviously find uh, Mark and Screenscape at screenscape.net. Yeah, we really appreciate Mark coming on and, and doing that. And uh, there's some great case studies up there as well. Thanks, Mark. I love having guests on here. All right, let's jump into our funding and M&A news that is happening. This happened this past week. Uh, there are a number of them. Uh, you know, it, it's surprising that none of them really uh, involved Facebook. Uh, maybe they took the week off, licking their wounds. Um, but the first one is basically just an update on what Shutterfly is doing with the Kodak Gallery customers. Yeah, this is interesting. Um, you know, th this is uh, a story that's been out for a little while now, but we're, we're starting to see see the uh, the numbers behind it. So they're basically paid pay, Shutterfly paid twenty three point eight million uh, for the Kodak Gallery business. So this is their online um, sort of digital photo service. Um, uh, apparently, they've been running it for twelve years. I've never used it myself, but no, uh, neither have I. You know, <laughs> hey. You know, as you go through bankruptcy, you got to start to shed these things uh, piece by piece, and so this is one of the pieces. Uh, apparently, they do twenty twenty one million in revenue um, from this, and and so they're paying twenty three point eight million. Um, so sounds like it's uh, a fair swap there. Uh, Codex getting their, uh, their 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 piece out of that, but um, the interesting thing here is, is for Shutterfly is is the database. Right? I mean, that's that's what this is all about. So there's apparently seventy five million accounts. 
people who uh, who have accounts in the Kodak Gallery. Five billion images uh, are stored in there. Um, so there's a lot of data, a lot of people, um, and just you know an amazing database that uh, Shutterfly is going to uh, take advantage of. So, so that's the story. Do you ever wonder, Asif? Like, I think we talked about this when we first broke this story about Shutterfly buying uh, the Kodak Gallery, but do you ever wonder why Kodak is getting out of this business, which seems to be core and digital, uh, with that those kind of statistics? Uh, you know, they're, they're kind of staggering at, at, at a, a nascent industry where they've got actually a revenue model that's driving $21 million in revenue, billions of photos, all that data, 75 million customers. It just seems like, why are they shedding that? It's Kodak. They don't understand it. That's right. Come on. We're going back to print. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna invest in yes. a printer company. Reinventing, uh, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. you know what? It just seems like uh, you know Shutterfly is sitting back, going, "Shh, don't talk about this anymore," because they might actually realize what yeah, they're getting yeah. up here. And uh, you know, shh, shh, shh. they want to keep it out of the media. Like it's like, "Shh, don't tell anybody about this," okay? Because if Kodak really understood what they had here, seventy-five million accounts, seventy-five users. Like think about what Instagram was bought for with thirty million, a paltry thirty million users. Oh, I know. So what? what is it, it just seems like that Kodak is, on all accounts, making the wrong decisions. But maybe that's just uh, maybe we're not seeing it. But seventy-five million users, five billion photos, and yeah. already re gen generating revenue from this. Hmm. Let's pause for a second. If I had taps, I would play it. Yeah. All right. Second story. Verizon acquiring, spending $612 million acquiring this company called Hughes Telematics. Good buy here. This is a good buy. Yeah. So we're, you know, again, we're, we talked about T-Mobile earlier. Now we're talking about Verizon. The carriers are stepping up in the U.S. and, and getting, in both cases, we're talking enterprise plays here, not consumer uh, plays. So, so Hughes is a company that... Uh, in the machine-to-machine -machine communications piece, uh, heavy in automotive, uh, industrial engineering, a whole bunch of different applications around this. So this is a you know, public company acquisition, $12 a share, um, $612 million in cash. And uh, yeah, so again, this is workforce, uh, fleet management, uh, two-way wireless connectivity stuff, uh, you know, all kinds of, uh, of uh, enterprise solutions here in the Hughes portfolio. This is this is a good buy. This is a good buy, um, yeah. and it's Sorry. also a good buy simply because the shares, the te the uh, Hughes Telematic shares are only trading at four dollars fifteen cents, and they got twelve dollars a share. So the shareholders must be very happy about this. But it's also a great buy because you know uh, Telematics and and uh, and what we're talking about here, what Hughes does, is a growing business. And if you look at what what Rim has done in acquiring uh, the Qnex uh, operating system, they're in cars already. They're doing this right now. And you you talk about Ford, you talk yes. about Microsoft being in Ford, uh, the Ford Sync product, and then you talk about OnStar, um, like the, these. All of this stuff is going to escalate or percolate into this space. And, and uh, M to M, machine to machine, um, the, the Internet of Things, uh, certainly uh, these carriers have to get into this. They can't rely on the, uh, the, the consumer for all of their revenue going forward. And it's going to become an even more competitive landscape as we go. Um, as that screen, as the human dashboard extends from your home, your device, your work, into your car, this is going to be huge. Um, and boy, oh boy. This is this was a good buy, I think, by Verizon. 
Yeah, for sure. I think that Verizon shares went down 10% because they paid a premium for this. But uh, as somebody somebody said in one of the discussion groups that I was reading around this was that, uh, you know, people pay what they want to pay, right? It's like, you offer me this much money, I'll take it. Um, And it's a value to them. And and I think that this makes sense. So T-Mobile partnering... Except for when you're when you're uh, when you're Groupon and you don't yeah. <laughs> exactly six billion dollars. We don't <laughs> want to talk about that. But T-Mobile, T-Mobile uh, partnering with Abacus, uh, and I think that Verizon acquiring Hughes Telematics is the same. Like you know, maybe Rim was onto something when they bought uh, the QNX operating system because it is in yeah. cars. It's in high-end cars and the space shuttle and, or the space station. Don't worry, somebody, somebody will be buying Rim. Somebody here, will so. be. Yes, who knows who. All right, uh, Verizon acquiring Hughes Telematics for $612 million in cash. That's a three times premium on the uh, trading shares at uh, the, the price that Hughes Telematics was trading at $4.15. Good deal. Take it. I love people who take the money. Yeah. Yes. All for that. Our last story, our last funding story. Uh, it's an acquisition story again. It's uh, This is a company called Groupon. Heard of it? Heard of it? Heard of it? Groupon? Coupon company? Actually, who seem to be uh, yeah. accelerating in their revenue and, and uh, making people happy. And, and uh, they want to be basically the operating system for local commerce. That's their new tagline. And in the vein of local commerce, they bought a company called Breadcrumb. I'm going to play a video here about what Breadcrumb is. Then we're going to come back and have that conversation about what this means for Groupon, if anything. Here we go. Meet Breadcrumb, a better way to run your restaurant. With Breadcrumb, it couldn't be easier. Need to rearrange tables? Just edit and drag. Order in here, and Breadcrumb updates and prints in here. Set up printer groups to run your restaurant your way. Instant search to find what you need. Just tap and type. Fire courses and keep track of tables progress in real time. Customize orders and tap to void or comp. Breadcrumb responds elegantly and intuitively. Print or email receipts to your customers. Accept cash or credit cards. Even deliveries with instant address recall. Working in a high-speed venue, Breadcrumb keeps up with QuickServe. Repeat orders and accept payment with just a few taps. Breadcrumb. Find out what it can do for you. Restaurants rejoice. Well, so that's uh, that's Breadcrumb. It's a point-of-sale system for restaurants and bars. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, um, you know, I, I think this is an interesting thing here because... Uh, you know, Groupon is, uh, you know, obviously the restaurant uh, segment is, is a big segment for them. Um, you know, I don't know what the percentage is per se, but but a lot of the deals I see on Groupon, uh, or, uh, you know, are, are definitely restaurant focused. Um, you know, Gr- Groupon is, as a public company now, has to be much wider in their scope uh, than just, you know, here's the deal. Um, and and so they've certainly been you know taking lots of strides there. They've been acquiring companies like crazy, like Facebook. Um, you know they're sort of following that. You know they they bought Uptake, they bought Hyperpublic, they bought Adku. They 
you know, so, so they're, you know, so they got e-commerce plays, they got travel plays, they got restaurant, uh, they're buying competitors, you know, small localized deal sites. Um, but you know, the, at the end of the day, we can push all the deals we want. We still have to deal with the redemption issues, right? At point of sale. And so breadcrumb is a player there. We don't know what kind of numbers breadcrumb was doing. I have no idea. Um, we know Groupon was working on iPad solutions as well on their own. So maybe they just said, hey, you know, enough's enough. Let's just grab these guys. They've got a nice clean one and, and let's go with that. Um, and, and, and we'll see what happens. And the breadcrumb solution isn't only, um, you know, for, for payments. It, it's, it's got, uh, you know, uh, work for scheduling, time clocks, uh, payroll tools for employees in those restaurants, all that kind of stuff as well. So we'll see. Yeah, you're a little bit more optimistic on this than I am, is that uh, I think that there's a difference between what Groupon's business is now, even as a facilitator to commerce, which I think that they do have to get in and, and they're, they're moving towards that. Um, but this is a POS. I, I mean, I, I used to, I worked in the restaurant years ago. It's my fallback position when uh, when I get many more of these criticisms uh, from, from viewers where I have to decide that I'm going to quit this. Um, but it, it's a weird thing because it's competing with Squirrel and the likes of all these other uh, technologies that are already embedded in these in, in restaurants. And I don't know that it moves uh, it moves Groupon closer to the customer. For these select restaurants, it might. But you know, it's it's only one play. So how, what's their reach? I don't know. Yeah. Right. So so. Yeah. Uh, like I, this is this is an interesting play. I'd rather be. Um, you know, it's the same thing that we're talking about, uh, you, you know, Facebook creating a phone. Um, you know, I'd rather be um, a platform on somebody else's phone, on everybody else's phone, than uh, than to limit it to just one phone. Uh, you know, at this point, it's the same thing here is that I'd rather, if I'm Groupon, I'd rather be playing in everybody's system, tied into everybody else's system, so that I can get into their customer base, than to create my own silo and then only have my customers. I just, I, I don't get this play. This is different from their business. This isn't an, a transaction enabler. This is literally, I'm in a restaurant, I make my order to a, to a server, they go to a computer, mm -hmm. an iPad, and type it in so that this sends the order to the kitchen and the bar and then prints up the receipts, right? Like, I, what has that got to yeah. do with what Groupon, what business Groupon's in? And maybe, again... Well, it doesn't have anything to do with the, with the business that they're in today, but like, that's what, I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, if I can put a, put a little bit of a optimistic spin on this is, is that you know when you're a public company you need multiple streams of revenue you can't just have one thing that you do um you've got to have multiple businesses yeah. running and yeah. multiple product lines and and so if this is one i mean and they've said in, in this in this statement breadcrumb will continue to operate as a, as a standalone product offering in the marketplace they're not right. shutting it down so we'll this see. is a software play that's what it is. You're going to go in there and you're going to sell this as software to to other restaurants. Like this is so such a departure that I would I would be scratching my head to the value. Of it. I, I think I read somewhere is this like a fifteen to twenty million dollar deal? Is that uh, roughly what it was? Um, yeah, 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 it's small. Yeah. It's a small deal, but but again, I you know you, you're now selling software to restaurants, which the margins are notoriously crappy. And uh, and y does this move any kind of business forward, or does it take a step back? I don't I don't know. I don't get this. Somebody explain this to me. You've done a good job of saying that they have to differentiate, but I say that, look, differentiate into a growth industry where there's revenue to be had that complements your right. existing skills. Don't don't make such a departure and go and sell uh, software into restaurants because if you've ever done that, it's not an easy thing to do. And uh, that's why I, I just don't, uh, I don't quite get this. But then again, I am 80 episodes old today and uh, I could be slow. 
All right, All those right. are the stories. Shutterfly, Verizon with uh, Hughes Telematics and uh, Groupon acquiring a breadcrumb. It looks like a very cool tool, by the way, breadcrumb does. Go to, uh, what is it? They, the URL is uh, breadcrumb.something. <laughs> How's that? Breadcrumb. Bread, uh, oh, it's breadcrumb POS. Um, just do a search for breadcrumb and Groupon uh, and, we, and you'll be able to find it and you'll see that video. The only thing left, uh, yeah, what bread, was it? Breadcrumb POS.com. The only thing left between you guys who are listening and uh, the end of this podcast is our resource of the week. Thankfully, we can put a put episode 80 to bed. FCC LBS report. What is this, Asif? Well, I mean, we were waiting for the FCC to come out and basically uh, you know, put, put out some sort of statement or view on uh, privacy and location-based services. They have. So they've released this report, um, and uh, you know it, it's it's a typical uh, you know lot of, lot to read, not a lot of substance. Um, I, I read it. Uh, it's available on the LBMA website under the research tab. So if you want to go get it, you can get it there. Um, but uh, I'll just read the, the one paragraph here of of note in the sort of opening uh, statement. So the um, this is what they say. So they say that um, private companies, um, um, no, sorry, let's skip ahead here. Meaningful consumer choice. Consumers should have an opportunity to tell a company what it can and cannot do with their information. The FCC has noted that most choice is provided as opt-in, i.e. the user must consent before the information is used. But that challenges arise between real-time meaningful choice and user experience. Industry standards such as the CTIA are identified by the FCC as providing guidance on consumer choice. So it's a lot of words to basically say give give the consumer choice and tell them uh, tell them what you're doing and, and share your privacy policy. We already knew that guys, thanks. But hey, the FCC has come out and said it. So it must be, it must be law now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Lots of words. Sounds like me speaking. Lots of words yeah. and uh, very little coming yeah. out of it. Uh, but they, they have to address this, and I suppose this is the way that they're going to do it. No, they should. I'm not saying they shouldn't be putting this stuff out there. They should be putting this out there because they're the FCC. Just do it in English. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, you can find this. Where can they find this? is at uh, thelbma.com forward slash research. It's the top story. It's the top link there. It's called the yeah. uh, FCC, an overview of opportunities and other considerations for location-based services. I'll just pull it yes. up on the screen in case you, you know, it's even got the official FCC logo on the top. It's, uh, it's real. And there's not a, it's, it's completely it's void of graphics and color. So it's totally FCC, <laughs> right? Right to the business. <laughs> All right, go check yeah. it out. If you have any comments on that, uh, you know, if you, if you're going through it, if you work for the FCC and you're listening to this, uh, yeah, well, good. You might be learning a few things. But if you have any, if you've read through this, you know, we'd love your comments on this or any of the stories that we've got here. I would love it if you could provide some clarification on why Groupon would acquire breadcrumb. Bring it to the comments, please, or send me an email or send a Seif an email. You can re reach yeah, me at untetheredgmail.com, Seif at thelbma.com, or, or just at us on Twitter, at Rob Woodbridge or at Seif R. Khan. Um, and I'd also like to know, uh, what was the other one? The wallpaper that blocks Wi-Fi. What are your thoughts on that? You think that this is something that you would use? You think your companies would use this? Is just this just an overkill? Uh, is this an effective use of technology? Or is this just cool science? I love to hear that. And remember, if you are Guinness, drop us a line. We would love 
love to test out those cups for you. We'll do it on the air. We will. Sounds like a plan to me. Well, that is episode number 80 of This Week in Location-Based Marketing. We will be back for 81, uh, provided that we can remember what day and time it is, in fact, on as we get up in the ages. If you have any comments, if you have any suggestions, if you have a company that you think that should be on here, if you have you are a company that has been acquired or is about to be acquired or has had some financing and you'd love to be featured here in the location-based marketing world, reach out on tether at gmail.com or receive at the lbma.com. We love the feedback that we're getting. Keep it coming. We will continue to, to do this as long as we get one piece of feedback a week. So if one day you don't get this, you realize that we didn't get any feedback that week and we are shutting it down. <laughs> yes. yes. You can find Asif at thelbma.com. You can find me at untether.tv. Show up in Toronto on June 20th to the LBMA event at the KPMG office. Show up on June 26th and 27th at Untether Talks at the Glenn Gould Studio. There's no excuse if you're in this business for you not to be at either of those events. If you need a coupon for mine, just use LBMA member. You will get a discount, a 25% discount. But if you have any questions about those, you know how to reach us. Right, Asif? You do. We'll see you Excellent. next week. Over Thank you, everybody. Thanks for watching.